0: Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love Radio show And we've got today another Thriver show And this is a really, really special show because we have a lovely lady named Jess Jess's story is really unusual It's just really, really different It's an incredible story and what is so incredible about it is it really allows us to understand that there are so many different varieties of narcissistic abuse but narcissistic abuse is all the same thing because it's all about those hooks and that powerlessness and that addiction that we have to narcissistic abuse and Jess's story is, is just so much about that and I know you're going to get a lot out of this story so I'd just like to introduce Jessica, so Jess, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Hello, thank you so much for having me.
0: It's gorgeous to have you. So Jess, could you please share your narcissistic abuse story?
1: Absolutely. Um, When I was in college, um, there was a man who worked in my dorm and I immediately felt when I saw him that something attracted me to him that I could not explain. Every day when I walked past him, I just I couldn't stop staring at him, and something about him just really drew me in. Um, At this point, there was a social media site that's very popular now, um, which just came out, and it came out on campus, and it was the, the biggest deal, and I worked up the courage on the site to talk to him. So we started chatting on the site, and it was awesome talking with him there because I felt like I wasn't self-conscious about myself because the computer screen was, you know, hiding everything that I was self-conscious about. And we talked all night long, all the time. Oh, mm, yeah. my So when <laughs> did you start seeing...
0: You know, because I do know your story and there was red flags that started popping up.
1: So what were the red flags that you noticed when you were chatting online with him, Jess? Um, this, you know, chatting online with him, it went for a while. Um, he started to seem to become angry with me and mad at me over things that were pretty insignificant um, You know, I was in college, so my schedule was very hectic with classes. I had a work study, um, and I was talking to him at night, and he would not let me go to sleep. I would say, oh, you know, I'm going to go to bed for the night, and he would literally not let me. If I hung up the phone, he would call me back repeatedly. Um, He would get really angry with me if I tried to go. He... You know, was always super judgmental of everybody. He was always very negative. He didn't really have much positive to say about anybody, including, you know, his own family, his friends. And it, I couldn't believe it because, you know, normal people, you know, you care about your family and friends. You don't just go around saying terrible things about them. But that's all he ever did. Um, it was nuts. And he would constantly pick fights with me over everything. I really had to walk. On eggshells around him, and I used to feel like I had to be super careful about what I said because I did never, I never wanted to, you know, set him off because he would, he would really rage out at me sometimes and yell at me and scream at me like I've never been spoken to in my life. And, isn't know, it, and we weren't even, we weren't even anything but, you know, chatting on the internet <laughs> or talking on the phone uh, at night. So, and isn't it so so interesting?
0: You know, when people when we get through this story and they see where your life's become and you know how stable and incredible it really is but what is so so interesting that when we're in the throes of narcissistic addiction the most incredible insane things can happen but yet we're still compulsively hooked in even when we know it's traumatizing There's yeah. there's, there's some deeper reasons going on and we're going to get into those as we go through this show now he also wanted you to send photos, isn't that yes. right? Like, what, what, what was he doing yeah. with that?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I am a bigger girl, and I am not comfortable with taking photos of myself like that. It's, you know, something I'm working on, you know, right now, actually, um, you know, getting healthy physically, now that I'm healthy mentally. Um, but he would always ask me to send him either, you know, naked pictures or racy photos and I was not comfortable with that at all and I always said no no I refuse to you know looking back now God knows what he could have done with those pictures so you know I'm so thankful that I never actually sent them but he used to get really mad at me that I wouldn't send them and he used to tell me I didn't care about him that was the only way I could prove that I cared about him and then I you know I would see him walking around campus, and he wouldn't even acknowledge me. He wouldn't even say hello to me when I walked right by him. Um, I would come home from, you know, a day of class and work, and I would have messages on my computer from him saying, Hi, how are you? Like, I hope you had a good day. I thought about you all day. And I literally just walked by him five minutes before, and he didn't even say hello to me. So it was so... Bizarre, and I was so hooked into this, and I couldn't, you know, I knew that it wasn't right, but something about him, I just could not, you know, not play into it. I, I was so, it was like an addiction, and I knew that from the beginning how bad it was, and I just, I couldn't stop, and I knew how terrible he he treated me, and I wasn't happy about it, but I just, I could not stop talking to him, and. You know continuing this terrible relationship where I would see him around and he wouldn 't even acknowledge me, but every single night I would talk to him till four or five o 'clock in the morning when I had an eight o 'clock class, and I mm. was so sleep deprived
0: wow, so okay, so you know how were you feeling, and what effect did this have on you um,
1: it was It was really bad. Um, my grades definitely started to slip because I wasn't studying the way I should. Um, like I said, if I even said, you know, I need to go, I need to study, he wouldn't let me hang up the phone. Um, he was also a student there, so, you know, he knew what was going on around campus. And <clears throat> excuse me, he knew about, you know, classes and my schedule, and he, he didn't care. Um, I didn't sleep much. Um, My roommates, I was really good friends with my roommates, and every you know we we hung out all the time. And after classes, instead of hanging out with my roommates and the friends I made on campus, I would talk to him all the time and stay in my room with the door closed. And they would I would hear them laughing and having a good time, and I wouldn't even eat dinner with them. I would just stay in my room and talk to him. um, It was really bad, and I felt like every experience that I had in life during that time, especially the time when I was in school, because at that time, it completely consumed my entire life. I don't even feel like I lived. Like I feel like I wasted being in college, and that's supposed to be one of the best experiences of your entire life. And I don't even really remember anything except talking to him and having a phone in my hand. Because Mm -hmm. when I wasn't talking to him at night, we were text messaging all day long, all day, every day. All we did was text message. Mm.
0: Wow, it was just weird. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was really weird. I constantly had a phone in my hand. I was always looking down. People would talk to me, and I wouldn't answer them. I wouldn't communicate because I was just always talking to him. And I didn't tell anybody about him. You know, I didn't tell my friends. So they were like, what are you doing, Jess? Like, hello, yeah. we're here. Love you. We want to spend time with you. And I just wasn't, I wasn't there. I was there physically. Mentally, I was not there. I was with him the whole time.
0: I think a um, lot of people can really, really relate to that. You know, when you get hooked and things aren't good, you know, those mm-hmm. constant texts or those constant, you know, I, I remember that very, very, very vividly. And I know a lot of people would relate to that they might be going through that now and they remember exactly what that was like so just you you know you talk to him about a chance for a real relationship rather than a cyber or a text or a phone relationship and what happened when you did that
1: um you know he would constantly give me hope that we would have a real relationship but then he would just let me down he would he, he kept me on by a string, and he knew exactly what to say to keep me hooked. There was lots of times where I was like, I can't do this. Like, If you don't want to be with me, then I'm not going to keep wasting my life. Mm. I, knew, I knew it wasn't right. I knew it with every fiber of myself. I knew it wasn't right, but he knew exactly what to do and say to make me stay and hooked and give him 100% of my attention mm. all of the time.
0: And it was terrible.
1: And it got to a point where I I got really angry, and I stopped talking to him for a while. And I started to go out and date, and you know, really experience life and try, you know, to to enjoy my life and be happy. And always in the back of my mind, I thought about him, and it just nothing ever worked out because of him. Because he was still in my mind like all of the time, even mm. when we weren't talking.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what depth did the relationship go to and how long did it last,
1: Jess? Um, I really felt like I loved him. I really genuinely did. Um, even though he treated me so terribly, I don't, something about it. I just, I really felt like I really loved him. Um, there was a couple of times we, you know, we went to school um, a couple of hours away, but we both live around the same area so when i would go home for the summer and everything i would sometimes see him out and there were a couple of times i was out with my friends from home and i ran into him and i i I talked to him when we were out and i was like oh my gosh like he's finally like talking to me and you know when you think about that too you're like i can't believe that i (laughs) that that's i was so excited for him to like talk to me at a bar um but then when I would go to talk to him about it the next day he would completely ignore me and act like we didn't just spend the whole night together the night before it was crazy and he would just give me the silent treatment all of the time it would be you know two weeks of talking to me every day and three weeks of not talking to me at all and then two weeks of talking to me every day and then a week of not talking to me at all with no sign you know nothing and it was just crazy and I was just being discarded over and over and over and over and any time that he wanted me to give him this attention all he had to do was just send me a text and I was hooked right back in even if we didn't talk for weeks and he knew that and he did it to me all of the time and all together between everything from the beginning to the end this entire cycle lasted seven years whoa seven
0: years it was seven
1: between the beginning where we talked constantly every day and then there was a few times in between where we didn't talk for months but altogether from beginning to end it was seven years
0: wow wow so yeah. you know trudent narcissistic fashion which obviously you didn't know at the time you know but you know it also well now he blamed you for all the reasons of not connecting any further didn't he like, what, yes, what would absolutely. he say? How would he blame Every, you?
1: Everything was my fault. Um, it was my fault because I, you know, dated other people, and he didn't think that he could trust me because of that. Um, because he used to ask me, he used to say to me, I'll, you know, I'll see you tonight if you do blank. And it would be a crazy sexual act that I was not comfortable doing at all. Mm -hmm. And he would tell me that's the only way he would see me. And if I didn't want to do that, then he wasn't going to see me because that means I I didn't care about him and I wasn't worthy. And he, like I said, I I am a bigger girl. He would constantly poke at me for my weight, for my appearance. Um, I feel like my personality, I'm kind of quirky and silly. And he was very serious and didn't have a sense of humor that I had and he used to tell me I was immature and he could never deal with me because I was, you know, not on his level. Mm. I was very mature, and he was just the highest thing you can ever imagine and I was nowhere compared to him. He would tell me.
0: Mm. So, what was happening in your life at this point? Like, how were you feeling? And what were you doing?
1: Um, you know, after college ended, um, I was so I was so depressed I was so upset about this relationship with him I started to drink a lot uh pretty much every single day um I would go to work hungover and my work was just not to my ability and there was a few times where I got taken aside and was told that I really need to get it together because thankfully my boss was nice and understanding but she knew I was going through something, but I was almost about to lose my job. The only thing I cared about was drinking so that I didn't have to think about him at night. And I would get so drunk every night that I would just pass out. And I, that's how I slept. I couldn't sleep without it. Um, I started to be really angry and started sleeping with people that I met out, um, people that I should not have had any sort of relation with anyone who pretty much gave me attention for a while um, as revenge because I was so mad at him and I felt like it was me getting back at him. Like, you don't want me, but this guy wants me, you know? Yeah, and yeah. And it, it made me feel so bad afterwards because the guy I slept with didn't really want me. Like, he just wanted something from, you know, I was just a girl willing to do it. These weren't yeah. quality people I was with, so you know it was terrible and at this time like he was still there was times where we were still talking and he would always make me talk about my past like i i didn't have the best i don't want to say i didn't have the best childhood because it was it wasn't you know terrible but i had a lot of issues with my parents and he would make me talk about it and i would tell him and i would tell him i don't want to talk about it and he would make me talk about it and tell me, you know, if you want to be with me, you have to tell me everything. And mm. so I would tell him, and then he would use what I told him against me. You know, I told him I had issues with my mom. This is what happened with my mom. And then we would get in these fights and he'd be like, "You're even your mom doesn't care about you. Mm. So it was, it was so bizarre. And I would always try to do everything I could to get his approval. My entire life was revolved around trying to make him happy and make myself worthy for him every decision I made I would run by him mm. and see if, if he said no it wasn't okay I wouldn't do it there was no sense of self at all mm. I was like he, I was completely brainwashed and every time I tried to make him happy he would always you know raise the bar higher and I would be jumping and I just I could never reach that level of his approval and mm. I tried and tried and tried
0: yeah yeah you were so being emptied out Uh, yes unbelievable so you did have a stable supportive angel in your life jess who
1: was this person yes um you know throughout this entire experience and throughout pretty much you know most of my life um there was a person i was friends with since i was 12 years old i feel like i'm gonna cry (laughs) oh it's so beautiful it is um and I, I leaned on him through everything. He knew about this person. He was pretty much the only person I told about this situation. He was super supportive. And um, he was someone that I was friends with since I was a kid, but we dated briefly in, um, you know, in high school, and we remained great friends ever since. And we ended up dating um, afterwards for a while, after a while of me not talking to the narcissist and me recovering when I had clarity, when I didn't talk to him, I, I felt clarity. And during that time I saw what my heart knew was the right person for me and who I should really be with and who I wanted to be with. And that was this person. And we ended up getting engaged after a couple of years of dating um, and he's he was my best friend since we were kids. <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah.
0: so, yeah, gorgeous. And so, you know, even though he was in your life and you got engaged, there was still more to go with the narcissist. So, yes. yeah, explain what happened there.
1: Yeah, um, you know, when I felt this clarity and I felt mentally stable enough to be in a real relationship with someone who I knew was genuine, and who really cared about me and who i really cared about um the narcissist found out that i was happy and i was in a relationship like this was a time where we weren't speaking and he immediately sucked me back in he knew exactly what he needed to do and exactly what he needed to say you know to get me sucked back in and he even said to me like i know you're in a relationship but i really want to be friends with you and I don't want to not have you in my life and you know all of the things that get you hooked back in all of the nice things that they know that they need to say to you um, I really care about you and even if we're just friends I just I love you and I want you in my life so I thought that I could balance having a relationship with my fiance with having a friendship with the narcissist because we weren't even hanging out remember
0: so
1: then having a friendship like texting and and catching up and everything. I thought that I could definitely handle both of them. Um, And he would constantly, you know, ask me to, you know, hang out. Like, let's go to the movies. Let's go, you know, have lunch. And then I would get all excited about it. And then he would just cancel on me. Or he wouldn't answer me when I was like, okay, I'm leaving my house. I'm going to go down to the, you know, the restaurant. He wouldn't show up he would cancel, he would just tell me, oh, never mind, I don't want to go, like, five minutes before we were supposed to leave. Um, And it was just terrible. It always made me feel so bad, and he used to do it all the time. And then he would say, oh, I just, you know, I don't know if I can handle you being in a relationship with somebody else. It's your fault. Like, I just can't do it. And that was his reason why he could never actually hang out with me. Um, But the official discard was when we made plans to meet up one day and then of course he randomly picked a fight with me and then he literally just stopped talking to me for four months straight. He just picked a fight. We were arguing a little bit and then he just stopped answering and didn't answer me for four months. And I was so heartbroken. I was so upset. It was one of the, it was the worst thing of my whole entire life. And I was so upset with myself that I couldn't believe how upset I was because I never even had much of a relationship with this person and I had this amazing guy at home who was so supportive and loved me and was so amazing and I was so upset about this other person who didn't give me the time of day and I would call him crying and And begging him to talk to me and I never wanted to be alone because all I did was think about how upset I was and it was terrible I was in so much pain physical pain I felt like I couldn't get out of bed um and it was all because he just didn't talk to me I would text call email nothing he never answered me not one peep from him for four four months out of the blue
0: Mm. You know what, Jess, I think that, you know, if anybody was listening to this radio show who didn't understand narcissism or what it's like to be narcissistically addicted, they'd think Mm -hmm. you're crazy. I know. Yeah. I know. (laughs) I thought I was crazy too. (laughs) And I was just about to say that. Of course, you would have thought you were crazy. And that was the same with all of us. Before we knew what was going on and I must confess even the second time round I knew what was going on and I still thought I was going crazy. You know? Yeah. Because it, it, it's a phenomena. It's it's it goes way deeper than logic, all of this. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So you were suffering the intense intense withdrawals of the addiction. So yeah. how did that feel?
1: Oh, it was it was so bad. It was terrible. Um, I was a mental case. I th- I thought about death. I thought that I would be better off if I was dead. And that's not the type of person that I am. Like, mm. I just, I couldn't believe how terrible it felt just from someone not talking to me. And I couldn't, I was upset with myself. I was upset with him. I was very distant with everybody. Um, You know, I... I, I was there mentally, but I wasn't... I mean, I was there physically, but I wasn't there mentally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With friends, with my fiancé, I used to cry all the time. Um, I remember I called a domestic violence hotline one day because I was so, you know, I just wanted something to make me feel better. I didn't know what to do. The woman I talked to thought I was nuts. Mm -hmm. You know, I told her what happened, and she, I could tell by her reaction that she thought I was crazy. Um, I went to the doctor, and I was like, please, please, please put me on something to make me feel okay again, because I am a wreck. Um, I obviously didn't tell the doctor what happened, but, um, you know, I Mm. I wanted to be on medication because I was so upset, um, and I didn't want to go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist and tell them what i was going through because i was embarrassed i couldn't believe that someone who i didn't have a real relationship with besides talking on the phone and you know talking on the internet and texting with made me feel this way i was so embarrassed about that so i didn't want to go talk to somebody um i found a group a forum for emotional abuse victims at this point i knew that it was something i knew that he was emotionally abusing me So I found a forum, and I started to read and post on, you know, the forum and everything, and I saw that these people on this forum were still upset and and living their lives revolved around this. You know, these people would be on this forum and posting all of the time, and it was years after they were abused, and and I was so upset that I thought this was my future. This is what it's going to be like for me. I'm always going to be upset about this. And it made me feel even worse that I didn't think that there was any way out judging by these people and how they were acting. And sometimes I would feel a little bit better and I would, you know, post and I would say, you know, having a good day today. I feel okay with everything. I'm I'm ready to move on with my life. And they would comment and say things like, you know, you'll never really move on. Having a good day doesn't last. It takes a long time to recover. Don't think that you're really having a good day. You know, like putting me down mm. when I when I was feeling okay. Like I wanted to embrace, even if I didn't feel okay yesterday, I feel okay today. Mm. And they would like bring it down. You're not going to feel okay forever. I, it's been yeah. 10 years for me. I'm still not okay. This is what's going to happen with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. And victimization takes hostages. It really, it does. It does. So, how did life
1: start turning
0: around for you, Jess?
1: Well, I was um, on the forum, and a girl posted one of your YouTube videos, and I watched it, and it was everything that happened to me. I knew that my story was rare, and that's just something you know that I understood, but when I watched your video and you explained what narcissistic abuse was, I knew that that is what was happening to me. Every word that you said could have been me saying it. And I started to look up, you know, I went on your website and I started to watch your videos and look up your um, your blog entries and, read and uh, listen to your radio shows. And I ended up buying NARP. And I knew that the biggest thing I would have to do is, is no contact at all. You know, I wasn't speaking with him, but we would I would send him a text pretty much every single day just to say something. I felt like I needed to stay connected with him. Even if he didn't answer me, I would still send him a text or an email or something. And I knew that I needed to not do that at all. Um, and I read all about, you know, you had the e-book, the no, How to Do No Contact, that was like a bible to me i read it probably 30 times and i knew that it was going to be so hard for me but i knew that that's what i needed to do um and finally after you know doing narp for a while i decided that i needed to you know i knew i was ready to go no contact for myself for my fiance for my friends my family um for everybody that loved me and for myself mostly because I couldn't do this to myself anymore. So last March, um, 2013, I finally went no contact. I said to myself, this is it. I'm done. I'm not going to talk to him anymore ever. I'm just completely done with this. And I, and I went no contact in March. Um, I was able to, you know, face that addiction. Um, I knew I learned all about the peptide addiction, uh, peptide addiction. I knew I was ready and I knew it was going to be really, really hard, but I wanted my sparkle back. I am a sparkling person. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I know that I am. I am sparkles. I'm glitter. And I wanted that back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be a good wife. I wanted, you know, I want to be a mother someday. I want to be a good mother. I wanted to be a happy person. And, I, I knew that this is the only way I was going to be able to do it. And mm. it was going to be so difficult, but I had to do it. I had mm. no
0: choice. And you know what? Heroin addicts that I've actually had as clients, past mm. heroin addicts, they've said that getting off mm-hmm. heroin was nothing compared to getting off a narcissist. It's, mm-hmm. it's a huge addiction. Uh,
1: I read, I, I read mm. that in, in your book, and I... I, I've never been a heroin addict, mm. you know, thanks. But I can definitely see it was, it's, it's a crazy hard, it's so hard to go no contact.
0: Mm. So what happened when you did go no contact and you fully focused on healing your inner wounds?
1: Um, you know, the first few weeks were really hard for me. Um, I was in a lot of pain. I felt like I was in physical pain, like I was sick. Mm. thick to my stomach, I had headaches, my body hurt everywhere. I slept you know not very well at all. Then there was other days where I slept for the entire day. Um, it was terrible um, i couldn't get out of bed at times, but I knew that it's something that i had I had to do. I used to you know go out and I would purposely not bring my phone with me. you know my birthday was um, around this time and I was going out with friends for my birthday and I knew that I was going to have a good time and I wanted to have a good time and I knew I was going to have a couple of, of drinks so I was afraid that I would have a couple drinks and then text him because that's, you know, what happened. And I left my phone at home. I hid it in a drawer so even when I came home I would just not even think about it. Um, I did everything that I could to not have my phone with me and try to live in the moment because that was what most of my experience was with having that phone in my hand you know constantly I didn't want to do that um I had NARP I NARPed every day I NARPed on (laughs) I NARPed every single day I did I did a module every day um I went through the entire thing I skipped around whatever I was feeling that day you know that's the module that I did and it was the best thing that I've ever done in my life you know the when I first tried it I You know, I'm sure people would be skeptical. I was skeptical, but I was like, I need to try this. I think this is going to work for me, and it worked. Like, I did it every single day, and that was the main thing that got me through. I would never be able to have done it if I didn't have it and if I wasn't able to clear through the modules. Like, I cleared so much, and all of this stuff was brought up that I didn't even realize what I was upset about it just all came up and I was able to clear it and I felt so much better immediately the after the first healing I did I felt so much better and I just kept doing it and doing it I was so happy I was so excited about how much it was working for me I tried to go back to the forum where the girl posted your video and tell everyone I have your answer like there's hope I was so happy and I was completely ridiculed. I was yelled at. I was called insensitive. Um, I was told that I wasn't able, I wasn't allowed to post about you on there. Um, that posting about you was like comparing McDonald's to Burger King because I guess the form was for another woman who does the similar thing that you do Mm. with help people with narcissistic abuse. Um, I couldn't believe it i'm saying we're all trying to recover from this if this works why are we not sharing it with everybody why am i not allowed to tell people like stop being so upset about what happened to you and think and realize why it happened to you mm. you know not what happened but why did it happen mm. you know, they i got kicked off the board they wouldn't let me post anymore because I brought you up and and these healings and how yeah. much they work I, they, they wouldn't let me post anymore
0: mm, and it's a shame isn't it you know uh, fortunately a lot more awareness is
1: spreading
0: you know and uh, we're actually starting to co-partner with some people that are really understanding but the thing is we're all in it together yes,
1: exactly um, That's you know
0: I and we're all in it to save our own lives and save other people's lives and get out of the victimization and the peptide addiction and the people that are two three five ten fifteen years a lifetime down the track still in the trauma well you know and, and I actually feel the same way you know often when there's people on my forum that you know they're not looking at the why they're looking at the what and uh, you know and they're saying to me it's been five years and I'm still and I'm like five years no you should yeah. be feeling... You know, if you're really focusing on the why... You know, and we're going to talk about your why soon because it's fascinating. It's always fascinating. You know, if you're going to look at the why and if you can start shifting the wounds that actually got you here in the first place, you are going to not recognize yourself in a few months. Mm-hmm. Let alone
1: 30 years of still being traumatized. Yeah. Oh, I, I just... I knew that I... That that was not what I wanted for my life, mm. and I and I wanted to help these people who I knew were so stuck. Yeah, and I and I tried to help them, and I this is your answer. Like I have your answer. Stop doing what you're doing and do this. This will work for you. And and the, and they didn't want to hear it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And that's yeah. And that's what happens with our ego, all of us. When we've got inner wounds, that we're actually not going to the inner child and we're not saving and healing and releasing those wounds. The ego creates a fortress around it of blame and shame and unworthiness. And that's where we get stuck if we don't go in and get the wounds out of our body, the original wounds. It's, that is the simple truth. Absolutely. So you went to your wounds, hence why you're on today and you're not in a straitjacket.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I, I saw myself in a straitjacket at times, definitely. Um, a lot of yes. people can relate. <laughs> yes, um, mm-hmm. so I, you know, through doing the healings, I realized that it all came back to my relationship with my parents. Um, my mother was a very distant with me. Um, I had a sister who was the product of, narcissistic relationship that my mother was in Um, and my mother favored her like you would not even imagine Um, I always felt it when I was younger Um, my mother was very critical of me of my appearance of you know anything that I did Um, she was a very damaged person and it it really had an effect on me that I didn't realize like I didn't accept myself because of the way that my mother made me feel like I wasn't good enough. Mm. And that's
0: our normal, isn't it, Jess? You know, like our childhood wounds, we've been surviving, we've been going along, we've been, you know, coping and creating in life, and it was our normal. We didn't know until we get hit by freight trains
1: that we had these wounds inside us. Right, and it's not like I didn't have any... It's not like I had no relationship with my mother as an adult, I did. And we saw each other regularly. And, you know, we actually became closer when I was an adult. But it all came down to how I felt as a child. And Mm. I always felt like I wasn't good enough for her. And my father, he has now been um, sober for three years, but he wasn't a raging alcoholic. Um, He was really a terrible alcoholic for 30 years. And he was married to somebody who you know my brother and I would go to their house, and he wouldn't even uh she wouldn't even let us go in the house. we had to stay in the yard like we were dogs if we had to use the bathroom like my father had to walk us into the into the house and make sure we didn't touch anything like we were dirty and dogs, and it was terrible and and I, things were so bad at home with my mom and I felt so terrible about it that I used to want to go live with my father and i and he never let me live with him and it made me really upset and i had a lot of issues with him cuz i felt like i needed him to rescue me and i needed to escape from my home situation and he never he never took me to live with him and it made me upset um but you know what i learned through doing NARP is i hit rock bottom and that's what i needed to to realize all of these things that i was upset about that happened you know 15 years ago 20 years ago that I was still obsessed uh upset about and I cleared all of that and I just felt so much better and I and I realized that I really was everything that I wanted to be you know inside I wanted to be you know loved and and I was you know I was all of those things I was clear I was happy um everything just went away and all of that feeling of being upset and you know not feeling worthy that i felt from my childhood just just went away
0: and that's the addiction to the narcissist point blank mm-hmm. it's our unhealed wounds what happens to us as children most of our programming happens before seven years of age when we're in theta and alpha brainwave we're like little dry sponges and we take on all the messages and we create an inner identity around those messages and then that inner identity is subconsciously driving our life and it's actually not until 12 years of age really clearly we start getting a cognitive gate in our mind that can actually take a message and go well that's right or wrong for me that does or doesn't relate to me before that age and primarily up to 7 all the messages we take are self-reflected that means me, that means me, that means me, that means me And Mm -hmm. that's what creates all of our programming that, you know, by the time we're 25, we've got 75 to 80% of our programming driving us. And from the time we're 35, we are 95% programmed from our unconscious of what happened as a child, unless we've up-leveled, unless we actually go to those wounds and transform them, which is exactly what NARP does. So Mm -hmm. our addiction is so about... What we're trying to do, our wounds are trying to get the resolution outside of ourselves through the exact person who's delivering more of the wounds. That's why we're addicted Mm -hmm. to that person. Absolutely. It's huge, isn't it? And that's the crazy making, you know, that logically, our logical mind goes, why on earth am I addicted
1: to this? Yes. Oh, uh, yes. Why? 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 Yeah. you figured out like I was addicted to him too because he made me feel like I wasn't worthy and that's what my mother made me feel and Mm. it was the same thing and I was trying to please someone that was not pleasable Mm. there was no way I would ever be worthy and and that's that's why because that's how I felt as a as a child
0: Mm. and gosh our soul's clever you know it's like we get little mini runs of all of these wounds reflecting back to us through life over and over again and when we haven't got it to actually take on our own evolution the wounds intensify and they intensify so it's like that little inner child that little inner jessica was in there and she's going please big jessica come to me come and help me heal come and Give me approval, give me love, help me heal, help me heal, help me heal. And she'll scream and scream and scream and scream and we're not hearing and then she'll create havoc in our lives by attracting, you're not listening to me, well listen to this. That's what the narcissist is, listen to this. Because I'm not getting
1: your attention. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. The little me part of the healings was... I had a lot of feeling when I did those you know, that part of the healing. It was mm. a big a big step, a big part of it for me.
0: And it's so and beautiful big, when we go to her, isn't it? That or that or that little hymn, if there's guys listening, you know, when we go to that little person inside and we go, you know what? I am here for you. I hear you now. I'm gonna stand with you and for you and do everything I can to heal you. That's when everything changes. Absolutely. Mm. Now, Jessica, you were as committed as the most successful thrivers truly are, you know, and I've seen thousands of thrivers now from all over the world, and the ones that I know, because your journey was quick, you know, and we know our journey never stops, but the journey from getting unaddicted, getting your life on track from where you were, because you were a total mess. Oh, absolutely oh yeah you were (laughs) a total total (laughs) wreck.
1: like let's not split
0: straws here you were (laughs) oh yeah you were I was I
1: was was crazy yeah yeah
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and you were as committed you know you were doing that every day you were like okay you anchored in you went for it so what did the commitment to yourself look like
1: I worked NARP all the time, every day. Um, You know, whatever I was feeling that day, even if I was feeling okay, um, I would do a, do a, you know, a healing just in case there was something. Because I was really surprised at the things that would come up when I was doing the healings. Um, I used to carry a little notebook in my purse with me. I love this. I love this. This is perfect because I did this too. Yeah, um, because there was times where I just felt off. And, you know, instead of, you know, trying to ignore it, I would say, oh, I know I'm feeling this way. I need to write it down. I'm a writer. I've always loved writing my whole life. So I would take five minutes and write down what I was feeling, why I was feeling it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I knew that it was going to be okay. And, you know, whatever I needed to write down, and I would just keep the of pur- uh, keep the little notebook in my purse or the pen all the time, and I used that a lot at first, especially when I first started to go no contact. I really needed that. Um, I started a blog that only I could see, and I did the same thing whenever I was feeling off, I would you know write in the blog, write how I was feeling, why I was feeling it, you know times that I wasn't able to you know do a healing. Um, I started meditating, getting into. Um, different types of meditation to clear my head. And um, all of these things all together helped me uh, so much. I felt so much better. I knew that I was ready to go off the medication. I was still on medication at this point, Um, but I knew that I wanted to go off of it, and I I felt like I could go off of it. Um, So I did, and I felt so much better than I've ever felt in my life better than I felt before I ever met him before you know anything times that I thought I was happy in life I was happier than men happier than I've ever ever felt um, I blocked every it took it took me some time but I was able to block um, his Facebook profile his Twitter account um, his email so he couldn't send me an email if he tried mm-hmm. it would just go back to him. I blocked his phone number so if he called or texted me he wouldn't um you know it wouldn't come through to me and you know if this was a point where i wasn't talking to him anyway it was no contact but i felt like i left those lines of communication open subconsciously yeah 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 if he ever tried to talk to me he could Mm. um but i was finally ready to completely block it off completely and not allow him to contact me um, I has I have to pay five dollars a month on my phone uh, to keep his number blocked. So um, worth it. <laughs> yeah, oh absolutely <laughs> that's five dollars I spend a month. <laughs> so worth
0: it. So so how long did that take to block everything after
1: you started NARP? Um probably about six months. Yep. Um six months of doing NARP I was able to finally you know completely block everything and in the meantime i was planning a wedding yeah i knew that i was you know really committed to this and i really wanted to be a good wife and and be so loving and caring of my my Mm -hmm. soon-to-be husband that as he was of me and he was so understanding and Mm -hmm. compassionate wasn't mad at me or upset for anything i was going through and he knew how hard it was but he was super supportive so Mm. I didn't think there would be any way that he could possibly contact me if he tried Um, it's really important to understand here and I really want to put this across that there could be some
0: people listening who you know haven't done the emotional inner intelligence or the, the emotional inner work yet And I possibly would have thought this before my journey, is that, okay, we had a loving guy in your life and that was really all you needed to rescue you. Somebody was there who could get you through the pain. Mm. I just want your comments on that because I don't actually believe that theory. I don't believe
1: anyone. They can help support us, but they can't rescue us from our inner wounds. Absolutely. Um, I had this amazing person who loved me for everything I was and it wasn't I needed to be okay you know you they say that you need to love yourself before anything and that's what I I knew having someone in my life who loved me didn't make everything better because I was still hurt and I was still upset you can't depend on somebody else to make you feel okay you need to feel okay with yourself and and mm. even though I had you know my soon to be husband, I still needed to be okay with myself for myself and for him mm. um, because I need he needs a um, you know an emotionally clear person to be with mm. as well. And we can't Have...
0: accept somebody's unconditional love. We can't accept it and feel it and embody it unless we've actually got that for ourselves. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, I completely agree with you.
0: Yeah, so how long were you in your NARP journey before you weren't feeling urges to contact? And, you know, Uh, the anger and the pain went and the resentment and all that stuff went.
1: And you could
0: could appreciate the
1: gift. After the first few weeks um, of going completely no contact, you know, there was times where I would still feel like, I wanted to contact him, but then probably after a month or so, um, but, you know, that, that feeling of wanting to contact him wasn't constant like it used to be. Mm. You know, I tried to go into a contact before, and I couldn't even make it a whole day. I would get, like, really anxious and upset and, you know, pace around that I needed to text this person. But once I started NARP immediately, you know, the, the urge didn't leave completely, but it mm. definitely started diminishing, Um, And the whole
0: point is, isn't it, you know, when you're getting those urges, okay, so it's pain, it's a trigger, you drop Mm -hmm. into a module and you're clearing the old childhood reason
1: for that trigger Mm -hmm.
0: and then they just get less and less and less and less.
1: Yes. That's why I kept the, um, which is super important, why I kept the notebook with me all the time because when I was out somewhere, I couldn't drop whatever i was doing to do a module correct so if i felt the urge to text or call or you know i wanted to text even just wanting to do it was a trigger even if i didn't actually do it i didn't want to want to do it you know what i mean so i would write it out write it out Mm. stop what i was doing take five minutes wherever i was there was a bathroom i would sit in the bathroom and write. yeah anytime, no matter where I was, if I felt that trigger, that's what I did. And it helped me immensely for the times that I couldn't get to a module. And then as soon as I possibly could go home and do one, I took the hour to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: helped. And after about, I would say, four months, I had no triggers at all.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly the way to do it. You know, I still do that in my life now, Jess. You know, I run a very, very busy life, between, yeah, <laughs> between exercise and everything I do and friends and oh my gosh you know my life's incredibly full and I'll always take time out to heal myself if I need to and my, I love that you know I do that I have my diarrhea or I have you know my, my phone or whatever if I get a trigger I do exactly the same thing I'll just stop I'll reflect I go inside my body where is it in my body how old is this part of me what's it about you know and Mm -hmm. because I'm so used to and trained in that now my but I go oh my god well that's an eight-year-old thing that's stuck in my solar plexus and that's this you know and then because and then it's like okay well you know when I get home or if I'm driving in my car because I do shifts on myself in the car I shouldn't tell people that but (laughs) (laughs) do not do that yourself everybody listening (laughs) It could be dangerous and not good for your health. But I do, you know, whenever I get a chance and then I can shift it. And then it's like, not only is that trigger and that, you know, that icky, uncomfortable feeling gone, it's like I've just up-leveled something in my life that I've changed a pattern. I've changed something about the way I was in the field or something coming at me, I've up-leveled. And when we keep doing that, see, when we don't do that, What happens is when we don't actually go in our body to find the truth, our head, our ego, gets around it, defends it, and makes up stories that are full of blame and shame and unworthiness. And then our ego is so clever because what it actually does is generate with the field of life more of that wound that we haven't got to and released yet. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's the so I love that you say you were doing that. And for any NARPers who are listening to this, and I know a lot of NARPers love the Thriver Show, um, and people that aren't on NARP yet that are thinking about NARP, that when you actually get the process to go to that inner wound and get it up and out of your body, rather than getting into your head and your defenses, you wait and see how your life takes off like magic. That's mm-hmm. the truth. Yeah. Mm. I yeah absolutely <laughs> well you're living proof my gosh you were nearly ready to be certified yes
1: I know <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying I that can... tongue-in-cheek but no I I laugh about it now I, I can't believe that I was I was in that mental state and it was just though so even now like the people in my life are like you're a completely different person than you used to be like you know we love the new Jess like you're awesome and i'm very mm. positive now and always looking for the positive always looking for the reason why and everything mm. everything happens for a reason
0: you oh, know yeah. not getting
1: upset and letting things my anxiety take over like i'm i'm a completely different person than i used to be and i am so happy i'm really i'm a happy person and i was never like this before and mm. this is the reason this is what brought me to be happy I not a
0: gift, isn't Thank, yeah, thank God, they ca- thank goodness, Lucifer's, you know, turned
1: up in our yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, like, I am so grateful. I am so grateful. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. It's yeah, really I agree. Cool. I agree. Absolutely.
0: So you did, you know, you you found something greater than yourself. And really, we're talking about that. You know that that connection to that higher power. You know that 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 power that generates life that is is greater than our limited ego mind. You know, mm-hmm. and what was that like for you, Jess?
1: Um, I have never been a spiritual person in my life. Um, I used to sort of mock people who were religious or spiritual just because I couldn't. I I couldn't feel that connection, so I couldn't believe that other people could feel it either. Um, But I always was, you know, jealous and, and wanted to feel that, and I knew that people who were spiritual and who were into, you know, spirituality were happy, and it seemed like they were always positive and happy, and I wanted to feel that. And through doing the healings, I felt it. I really genuinely felt it. And I I will never forget the feeling that I had the first time I felt it. It's indescribable, but it was the best feeling I ever felt in my life ever. Mm. It was the greatest feeling in the world. And I knew. I was like, this is why this happened. This feeling right here of feeling completely clear and connected and happy and loving and everything this feeling is why this brought me this experience brought me to feeling the way that I feel at this moment this mm-hmm. is why this is the payoff for this whole entire thing and that day it was like in the wizard of oz when mm-hmm. everything's black and white and the and it just turns to color that's what it felt like Uh, my world was in color now and i could never have done it if i didn't go through this um you know experience with the narcissist it brought me to this colorful beautiful happy world um Mm -hmm. and i ended up getting married um soon after um in october of 2013 we we got married and it was everything that I wanted. It was my fairy tale wedding. <laughs> my husband is so awesome and he's so fun and we have so much fun together and we're both goofy and silly and we laugh all the time and it's our our relationship is really supportive and, you know we're really there for each other through everything and we love each other and we're happy for each other and we're there through good times, through bad times and it's really everything that you could have ever wanted in a relationship um and and the beautiful thing is the real jess is in there enjoying
0: it you know the real jess without those old wounds without yeah not showing up as that wounded jess you're showing up as the real clear expansive sourcing life authentically jess
1: yes it's not that i'm going through the motions of life which i was doing before Mm
0: -hmm. going through the
1: motions of life and being there physically but mentally i was on mars Mm -hmm. i was not there mentally now i well you were in
0: your you were in your egoic mind defending and guarding wounds which is shame and blame and unworthiness that's where you were
1: yeah Mm. not anymore now i am living in the moment of everything. I enjoy everything. I love everything. I'm so happy all the time. It's it's amazing. It's the best best feeling, the best life. My life is so awesome. The people I have in my life are awesome. What I do, my job, I'm so happy. It's it's amazing. And I would have never felt it if I didn't clear all of that old stuff out of me. And I'm so, so thankful. Um, I started NARP a year ago um, the day that I wrote all of the stuff for the show um, was my one year anniversary of starting NARP so to feel this good and clear and happy it took me about a year altogether Um, and actually yesterday was one year of me going no contact Um, I couldn't believe that I finally made it to a year because I couldn't when I first started I remember seeing people you know posting on the the Facebook group saying that they were no contact for 2 weeks and I was like oh my gosh I can't even imagine going 2 weeks and now I'm at a year so I'm so happy and grateful and oh, it's this this whole experience was just so amazing and narp saved my life it really did i was so seriously ill mentally ill destroyed empty every terrible word that i don't ever want to be again i was all of those things and i got through and i am so much better and happy and i can't even believe that i am where i am now if i could be so addicted and get through and be at this point, I genuinely feel in my heart that anybody can do it. The addiction I had was so severe, and I beat it, and it's hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Oh, but it is. It is. It's so hard. Totally. But I was able to do it, and I feel like if I can do it, that anybody can do it. I really genuinely feel that.
0: And I think... Yeah, oh God, I'm nearly in tears listening to you.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh
0: seriously, I mean, I, I just feel, you know, so incredibly blessed and grateful to my life for two narcissistic abuse experiences personally, but you know, what I've gained through my heart and my connection and my expansion to help people like you, I just, it brings me to tears nearly every day of joy, you know, I'm just so
1: so thankful, like,
0: mm. you are
1: just, I hold you so deep in my heart, you are just you are Oh, thank you so much, I could have never ever, ever done this without you, and I live a million miles away from you, and you are like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're a part of my family, and <laughs> well. I'm so excited and happy to be talking to you, it's oh, thank you so much, I you saved my life, you really saved my life,, absolutely oh, you are so welcome, and you
0: know what I love about this, Jess, you know, until we hadn't talked personally you know until this interview I've never had you as a client, you know you were in the background doing nap, napping on mm-hmm. like a, narp-ing on like it on you were <laughs> napping on right, and you were in the background, and I know there's so many people in the background that are doing napping on. You know, and you'd and I saw your beautiful photos and your, your, your wedding and I knew you'd been a NARPA and I saw you in the group and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to talk to this girl. This is so gorgeous. I could see the joy and I could <laughs> see that, you know, and that's when we connected. But what mm. I love, what I love about NARP and what I love about the program, and this is my deep, heartfelt mission, is to teach people how to be their own healers. You know, because we're breaking codependency, we're breaking those old... pat. You know, we've got to get empowered from the inside out. And what I love about NARP and the processes, and it did it for me, and it's doing it for thousands of people, is you. Ha- the process gives you the ability to drop inside, partner yourself, get- your body reveals all of your answers just by doing the process. You get... You know, people are getting the most spiritual, psychological, empowerment educations through their own body Mm -hmm. you know like all the aren't you like you get all your answers oh my god that's where that came from oh my god that's where that came from okay i'm going to release that out and i'm going to bring in my true self from source on that topic and we up level and we up level and we up level and we up level you know and all of this knowledge and this wisdom and this incredible growth you're doing it all just through the
1: process I felt like when I was doing those, you know, doing, doing the modules and feeling that connection, you, I physically felt it in my body. I felt all of that negative stuff leaving my body physically. It wasn't just a mental I'm clear. It was a physical feeling for me. And it really, as soon as you clear it, your body feels better. Yeah. It,
0: yeah. It's Absolutely. It's,
1: crazy but it it really really works and i wish i could shout narp from the mountaintops for everybody who's going through this like you need to get it need to do it stick with it it's so difficult to you know especially stick with no contact do it for yourself and you know you can you can feel the way i feel now the way you feel now the way Mm. you know all these all of us that have gone through this and are better it's it works so much. Mm, it
0: it it does, and that is the healing model. You know, when we get the stuff of our out of our bodies and out of ourselves, and it does literally, like it's all you know, it's all the unseen world, and that's what is really hard to get your head around. And I used to come from such a logical, tangible—if you can't see it, smell it, touch it, feel it—it it doesn't exist. You know, like. And our ego loves that. Give me the physical proof. Give me the physical proof. I don't believe anything that's not physical. You know, but when we get into the unseen world in energy and we start releasing emotions out of our body cellularly, you feel it. You feel mm-hmm. the release and the relief and the space and, and what happens. And science proves it now. Joe Dispenza proves it. When you get a body shift, your brain neurons actually let go of old neuro pathways and they flick over and create new ones instantly. And that's why you come out of a healing and you go, hang on, I used to think like that. That was my trauma. I just come out of a healing. Hang on, I can't even access that anymore. Yeah,
1: if you try to access, you can't. You could try to, that's, yes, (laughs) you can't feel those negative things that you Mm. felt even five minutes before. Once you shift it, it's gone. Even if you try to get back into it, you would just find the little things about it that you're still being, you could still feel, and you just shift that. When you're done with that healing, you're better. You feel so much better. Mm. And you've literally physically
0: absolutely had brain neurons let go of a neural net connection and flick over and create another one and you take your brain there and you're like hang on it's like there's a wall there i can't even i can't even access that anymore yes. yep it is it's amazing it's a phenomena Great. i love it yay for energetic healing oh my god i know <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd be in the nut house right now i would have been years ago yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is pretty obvious, but, you know, what advice would you give to somebody who's listening to this, who is really struggling in all that junk and stuff and
1: obsession, and what would you say to them? I would say to absolutely get NARP first, first and foremost. Get NARP, do the modules, write, meditate, work on yourself, stop... You know blaming other people for things, stop looking and and thinking that you can't break free of this, that you're stuck that you know you care about this person so much you you can't believe that he or she would do this to you and and stop being a victim, realize what you know why not what happened, but why it happened. That's my main thing. I don't think of what happened to me anymore. I think of why it happened to me.
0: Get into no. it
1: sit clear it and you will feel so much better. Mm. Absolutely.
0: I love that. You know, that is, you know, I, I come up with sayings. And I You know, I, lo- I love that saying. You know, stop thinking what happened to me. Think why it happened to me. Because mm-hmm. when we yeah, turn everyone- in, yeah, yeah. Catherine Woodward Thomas has a beautiful saying where she says, become an ex an extraordinary detective become an inner detective you know and really what that theory is saying everything that's hurting me everything that's triggering me everything that's making me feel powerless i have an inner wound that i haven't healed yet everything
1: everything right in my situation too if i was mentally healthy i would have never gotten into the situation i was in Mm. it was crazy it was a relationship, quote unquote, that was bananas. It was just not <laughs> normal at all. Yeah, and a, a, and a normal, sane, healthy person would never get even get into that situation, mm. especially not keep it going for seven years. Yeah, so it's an extreme why, example. Yeah, why did I allow this to happen to myself? Mm. Why? Not mm. what. You know, it's not, he did this to me and I'm upset because, you know, he did this, this, and this. But why? Because I needed to get my act together, clearly. Yeah. (laughs) I was a a mess.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, you know, not to... I mean, and there could be people listening to this and they go, well, yeah, that's off the planet. I'm not that off the planet, right? (laughs) I love it when we get into humility. But, you know, Jess, (laughs) I think the thing is for all of us, and this is what I love about that humility and that up-leveling and when we go, okay, the why, all of us, all of us ended up in off the planet, right? Mm -hmm. And, and. You know, and that's really like the common sort of thing you hear on, you know, like that forum you're on, where people are not taking responsibility, they're not looking at why, they're not up-leveling their inner wounds, their young wounds, they're just out of focusing in their head in blame and shame and unworthiness, saying, a narcissist can hook anybody, a narcissist can, you know, this could happen to anybody I promise you, with all of my channeling and all of the work I've done, and I promise anybody listening out there, that thinking is not going to help you. You're not going to heal. You're not going to get out of the trauma because your inner being, little inner being with those inner wounds is going, come to me, come to me, come to me, and I'm not going to let up on this pain until you do. Mm -hmm. That's the deal.
1: I do not believe that it can happen to anybody. I believe that there has to be a reason why. I don't believe that a narcissist can just hook someone who was as severely hooked as I was just to anybody. If I was mentally clear, if it was now, mm-hmm. I would never have even gotten to the relationship. Once the red flag started, yeah. I, would, I would be like, okay. You're not someone I want in my life, and there's been other people in my life who I have cut out because I feel so much better now. Know, people that I I dealt with who I I realize aren't people that I want to be around, and I've cut them out of my life too. And that's something that I found the strength to do. You know, going through this experience and healing from everything I, you know, mm. I. Heal.
0: And that's so true, you know, when we're actually sourcing ourselves through source, you know, life, God, source, that higher power, when we're we're sourcing and connected to that, we're no longer needy, we no longer sell our souls, we no longer give in to the fears of abandonment or criticism or judgment and try to win approval out in the field because we're filled with all of that unconditional love and acceptance that comes directly from source, we're healthy
1: yes definitely changes everything it does it really does
0: <laughs> well Jess I've just adored having you on you you are such a sparkle thanks yay <laughs> you are you're just adorable you're just lovely and you know when I'm where are you are in the states or are you in Canada
1: I can never tell I you know, guys I've um... I'm in Connecticut. Um, I live about a half hour out of New York City. Oh, my goodness. So when I come to New York, we have to have dinner together. Oh, that would be so amazing. I would love that very much. Oh, love it, love it, love it. I just love it. Well, my darling girl, thank you. Thank you
0: so much for coming on the show. And I know, you know, you're going to be a really... I mean, I really think the whole catch theme to this if Jess could do it with something that crazy and ridiculous <laughs>
1: <laughs> and mental,
0: I think anybody can. Yep, yep, I think so too. <laughs> Well, you've just been a gorgeous, and, you know, how healed and holy are you to share a story like this just so beautifully and humbly and in such an empowered way? I'm really proud of you, and I know you're proud of yourself. You should be.
1: Thank you. Yes, I, I am. And just to do this show and to share the story and, you know, not be embarrassed about it is another big leap in the right direction for me because I was really embarrassing. I would never talk about it with anybody.
0: Yeah, (laughs) well, we can understand why. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, what a beautiful, you know, this is all about opening our body up and connecting to the field in authenticity. So this is a leap in evolution to your radiance. Totally. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, I can feel it. It's just massive. And it's massive for you and it's going to be massive for a lot of people out there. So... So thank you, sweetheart, and, um, and you're off to work now. So I know you're going to have a beautiful day, and thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much.
0: All right, darling. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. Thank you. Well, everybody,
0: I hope you really, really enjoyed that show. She's such a great sport, and, uh, and truly, I hope you got a lot out of that and you really, really understand what we discussed in this show and what we conversed on because you don't have to stay in the trauma. It's all about those young wounds. And once you heal those, not only do you get out of narcissistic abuse and the trauma of that, your life is going to open up into the life it's meant to be, the life of your true self. So that's it for me, everybody. And I'll see you next week. Lots of love. Bye-bye.